soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. atheistic, agnostic, Christ, God-rejecting men whose theologies and philosophies have been used for the two greatest world wars and much of the totalitarian, authoritarian governments we've seen in the last 150 years justified the eradication of various people groups. Those philosophies fit well if you want to wipe out people by the millions, whether you're fascist, Soviets, Bolsheviks, or Camarouge, or anything of the likes. Secular humanism embraces these beliefs because it justifies one set of human beings lording over another. Whereas the gospel of Jesus Christ elevates women, it elevates humanity, and don't forget, it's a belief from creationists who have brought all the great things in our society in this country. The hospitals, education, equal rights, all those things have been moved by people who understand the gospel, either U.S. citizens or British citizens, like William Wilberforce, who took down slavery. It was people who believed the biblical record of our origin and the, and the beginning of the universe that we're part of with time, space, and matter, and the value of each human being in this universe of time, space, and matter by the God who spoke it into existence and then formed man and formed the woman from the man. There's only two worldviews. They both require faith, of course. But know this, in our biblical worldview, we have the Holy Spirit confirming the truth. We know that God's character doesn't allow for him being the author of death. So that's really easy to figure out that that's just never going to merge. So theistic evolution, which is trying to merge these worldviews, it dilutes the power of the church, and it never convinces an atheist to be a believer. It's ridiculous. It might be conjured up by well-intended men, but it never produces good fruit. There is no current record whatsoever observable science of evolutionary theory in place on this planet. And there is no archaeological record of evolutionary theories in place on this planet. There, should, there are millions and millions of fossils, but you never see a dat and a cog. You see a dog or a cat. You never see anything. These demented men come up with one fossil and try and say that that's proof of evolution. There are millions of fossils, and they confirm that God made each thing after its own kind, and it was good. Do not be deceived by false doctrine. It takes more faith to believe that a rock came to life than that God who's outside the universe spoke it into existence. Much more faith. But either one requires faith because it's your origin, and your origin shapes your worldview. But please, in Jesus' name, do not make the mistake of trying to merge the two. It's one or the other. They are diametrically opposed to each other. They're as different as light and darkness. So don't be duped. First 11 chapters of Genesis, Genesis are the most attacked chapters of the Bible. Because the devil knows if you can undermine the foundation of creation, you don't need redemption in Jesus Christ. See, in Adam all sin and died, and Jesus came for sinners who are condemned in Adam. And in the genealogy of Jesus Christ through Luke's gospel, through the Virgin Mary, where does it end? 
it ends with Adam because he's the second Adam. So you see, if the biblical record that we just read here is not correct, then Christ didn't need to come and die for our sins. But in Adam, all sin and all die. Adam is the author of death in the universe. Adam brought chaos to the universe, and we're all affected by it. Thus, we all die. We're born spiritually dead. We are facing physical death. And without faith in Jesus Christ, we're headed for eternal death. In Adam, all sin and die. And that is why Christ came. That's why there's the promise in Genesis 3 of the Messiah to come, the first promise. And that's why Jesus went to the cross. There is no other way. The second Adam died for all those who are condemned with the first Adam, which is all humanity. This is really important because of this last generation, critical thinking is lacking profoundly amongst the young people. Church is a fun, cool place with groovy things and fun songs and touchy-feely stuff. In the last days, there's a great falling away with a great deception with deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And of all the doctrines of demons, there's none more diabolical than trying to ascribe to our Heavenly Father the character of Darwinism. Because God is good. And in him is no darkness at all. Death is darkness. And the belief systems of Darwinism are survival of the fittest, completely contrary to what we read in this chapter. So you can choose one or the other, and they both require faith. But I like the fruit that I see from people who choose Jesus Christ and the creator of the universe and the fruit of those people for the last 2,000 years in making this planet a better place, as opposed to the fruit of Darwinist evolutionists and the fruit they've produced with ideologies of governments that have just brought death and chaos upon this planet for the last 150 years. Plus, we have all the facts. Theirs is pseudoscience. Ours is real science. Don't be confused. And of course, most of you know that most of the founding fathers of all the critical sciences were all six-day creationists. The devils worked so hard to try and set this next generation up to think they got Jesus and they came from a lucky rock. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Jesus is the necessary redeemer because we are born sinners through Adam, for in Adam all sin and die. Now, God, in the beginning, God exists outside time. Now, God is triune. We see this. This word God is Elohim. It's a Hebrew word meaning more than one within one. It's literally translated gods in other parts of the Bible, but the context makes it clear it's God. But here the word, the very first introduction of God in the Bible is this word Elohim as opposed to El, like El Shaddai, God Almighty, and the various other Els. God introduces himself to us in historical record in his triune nature. The second verse we see is the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the earth. So the Holy Spirit, who brings people to faith in Jesus Christ, is mentioned distinct from Elohim in verse 1, in verse 2. Then we're told in verse 26, God speaking within himself, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So again, this is, God's not talking to the angels. We're not made in the image of the angels. We're, we're made in the image of God. This is important to understand. Now, we just finished Colossians, and we saw in Colossians, all things are made by Christ and for Christ. In him all things consist and are held together. Nothing was made that was not made by Jesus Christ. The infinite nature of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all declared in the Bible. The omniscience, the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the omnipresent. Those attributes are distinctly ascribed to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible in different places. For example, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're told the Father resurrected Jesus Christ. We're told the Spirit resurrected Jesus Christ. And Jesus said he raised himself up. God is triune in nature. There are many triune verses. Now, historically, 
some cults and uh, different aboriginal Christian groups would say, well, God spoke as a father in the Old Testament, as Jesus on earth, and then the Holy Spirit, that he revealed himself three different times in different ways. That's not true. See, God is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, triune in nature outside of our dimension. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's, it's not true. He is who he is. What do you say to Moses, the burning bush? I am that I am. I am who I am. You can say Joey's not blonde. He wasn't born in 1961 in Cleveland, Ohio. But I am blonde. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio in 1961. And whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change anything. I am who I am in my essence as God is. And as the heavens are above the earth, so is God. God's ways so above us. So it's important to understand that God is triune in nature. And he reveals it here in chapter 1. When Jesus was baptized, the Father spoke and said, This is my Son. The Holy Spirit appeared in a form like a dove, and Jesus came out of the water. The three distinct persons of God within one. But, you know, look at the Old Testament. God says, I am the Lord, there is no other. So God is called a uniplural noun. God is compound unity within one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we even see that in the book of Revelation in the heavenly scene. By faith, we believe that because that's exactly who he is in his essence. In the beginning, God, God who is triune, his essence, who he is, your essence, you're a male, you're a female, okay, your DNA, your essence of who you are, God is triune in his nature. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, that last thing it talks about, there's so many triune verses in the Bible, but it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the closing benediction, and we just get it time and time again. And I, when I was a kid being raised Catholic, I used to lay in bed and think about like, well, how is God triune and who made God? And why? But I believe you can't answer those questions because as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways and thoughts above us. The, th- the secret things belong to the Lord, including the fullness of who he is. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children. And Genesis 1 belongs to us and to our children. Now, also, God is not only triune, but he's outside of our dimension. So when we think about the human experience, we can think linear. Okay, dawn of creation 6,000 years ago, six-day creation, and, you know, 1,500 years of primeval world, Noah and the flood, post-flood is the ice age, 500 years, here comes Abraham out of the Fertile Crescent, Iraq, Iran area, and Abraham goes to Canaan, modern Israel, then that's around 2,000 B.C., Job goes about the same time, then 1,500 B.C. comes Moses, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, and then the book of Judges, David's around 1,000 B.C., time of Jesus, first thousand years of the church age, and then, you know, Charlemagne, all that kind of stuff, and then Magna Carta, 1,200, you know, in the U.K., and you just, you just go there, and then the Reformation period, it just goes on and on into our present day. So we have about a 6,000-year timeline, and watching the Huntington Beach Fourth of July parade the other day, you know, we rode our bikes and we came up this way and then went all the way to Yorktown and Main Street where the parade ends and we went around that. That's the end of the parade. And then we rode the backside uh, by the church there and came out by uh, 17th Street and we came up on the backside of the parade. The last thing in the parade I can tell you was the Huntington Beach High School marching band. And then there was like the, the Mexican dancers. It's really cool. And then there's little mini cars where the guys in the little mini cars. And that's the end of the parade. That's linear. See, Human history is like that Huntington Beach parade. The front end's here, Adam, and the back end's here, maybe us, or our grandkids. But it's linear. But God's like that plane or the helicopter above it. He's outside of it. So it's not like God existed before the parade, like at some point, nothing, and then God becomes the parade, and he's the front of the parade. Or or the kingdom of God is like, there's more things added to the back of the parade after Huntington Beach High School marching band. No. See, eternity is outside this dimension. It's not in this parade dimension. It's not linear. 
When you step into eternity, we're stepping into another dimension. That's why Stephen could be passing in this dimension, being stoned and put to death by people executing him while seeing Jesus stand at the same time in the next dimension he's going to. He was transcending dimensions. That's how the chariot of fire can come for Elijah. That chariot of fire is coming out. It's God's holy fire coming out of the dimension of eternity. It's opening up, taking him in time, space, and matter. The coat falls off of him. That's real enough. Elijah takes his coat, right? Real enough. But then Elijah goes up and the curtains close. And God's holy cloud takes him in and he transcends dimensions. He just goes right through it. Like when Jesus shows up in the room in his resurrected body. And then he leaves the room in his resurrected body. His body was multidimensional in his resurrection, though it was still his physical body because Thomas could touch the nail wounds where he was crucified. If we limit our thinking of origin and our purpose of life and our knowledge of God to our linear thinking, like the Huntington Beach Fourth of July Parade, we are doing God a great disservice. We need to receive at face value and understand who he is the way he is, that he's all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent, and he cares about the hairs on your head, and he loves you so much he sent his son to die for you, which is a lot more than any of us, I think, would ever do. By this we know love that Christ died for us while we are yet sinners. So God who's outside our linear time that we see it, spoke it in existence. So he's of another dimension. He speaks time, space, and matter in existence. And there it is. Time, space, matter. And we're still rolling along. After Adam's sin, the universe is dying as it's expanding. That's why our sun's not getting brighter. It's getting cooler. That's entropy. And Romans 8 tells us that the whole universe is dying because of Adam's sin. The same reason I'm dying. The same reason I look like I look at 58 and not like when I looked at 18 is the same reason the universe is dying as it's expanding, however far it's expanding. Entropy is a result of sin. Death entered through Adam and it affects all the universe. But not here in chapter 1, it's all good. But God is outside this dimension. He's triune and he speaks it. Then we see he created the heavens and the earth, right? So he is the creator. Again, I've covered this, so I don't need to belabor the point. But he spoke it and he made it happen. He doesn't take Legos and put them together. He speaks the Legos and puts them together. We can recreate with things that God has made. We can build a Jeep and send it to Mars, although it broke down, right? But we can do some amazing things. God speaks it. Don't you worry about the redemption of this planet. All the species that have gone extinct, all the damage done to the ocean, the atmosphere, all these things. Don't lose sleep over that. It is a stewardship, so value what God values. I value life. I rescue spiders, like I said. I do. I just rescued a couple last week, you know, like value. I value life. God's into life. You should be into life too, and I think most of you are. He's going to redeem it all, and he's outside of it, and he's spoken into existence, and he created it. Sometimes I think, Lord, why flies? They all have a purpose. Every little insect, everything, it all has a purpose, and he created it. And when he created it, it was all good. As much as flies bug me, I had a fly bugging me today. It didn't bug Adam in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he's like, oh, fly, you're a fly. Oh, and the fly's like, you're a fly. You're not annoying. You're not doing gross things that flies do. It's a happy fly. Everything's good. That's the way it was. And it reflects him because it's all good. And the closing pitch, it's very good. It's all good. Because God is good. You know, and of course, everything's uh, vegetarian, right? Too. So all the animals are herbivores, as were human beings. There's no, no one's eating anyone, because that's death. And plants die, but they don't die like the consequence of sin, because they reproduce when they die. They bring forth the seeds. No one's eating anyone. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Quantico, I always remember 
Wonderful World of Disney was on on Saturday nights, if you're old enough to remember this. It was Wonderful World of Disney, and then it was Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And I never liked Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom because I didn't like to see lions eating antelopes. I've never liked anything like that. It makes me sick. Like, I just, I just don't like anything like that. But that's, and I'm okay I don't like that because God doesn't like that either. Why do you think in the Millennial Kingdom he says the lion's going to lay down with the, the lamb? Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom is going to look a lot different in the Millennium. It's like going to look a lot different. Like, and here's this lion hanging out with this cobra and this kid's petting them both. See, that's a restoration moving toward what was lost glory. So keep that in mind. So God created everything and he didn't work through evolution. There is no such thing as evolution. It's a lie. There's animal adaptation, which is different. That's you getting smart at work when you got a new boss. It's almost like animal adaptation. You got a new boss, you got to tighten the line. God has designed animals to do things horizontally, but not vertically. A dog's always a dog and a cat's always a cat. There's no dats and dats and cogs. It's just, they don't exist. They don't exist. And God does funny stuff like platypuses just to throw those kind of people that think they're smart something to think about so they can know they're stupid. It is what it is. And you try and put God in a box and he'll tell you to get your tax money from the mouth of a fish. So be careful. God catches the wise in their own craftiness. And the foolishness of God is wiser than the, the wisdom of men, as it says in Corinthians. Now, the last thing I want to close with here, and this is really important because we are made in his image, so we have the capacity to worship him. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says that he's put eternity in our hearts. And there in chapter 3, that famous, you know, to everything, turn, turn, the famous song from the birds in the 60s, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. And later on in that chapter, the Holy Spirit says through Solomon at the end of his life that God has put eternity in our hearts. See, God has not put eternity in my dog's hearts or in my cat's heart. He's put fear in them. They don't like fireworks. That's very clear, Okay and instincts, but he hasn't put eternity in their hearts, but he's put eternity in our hearts. And that's why Romans 1 says that he's revealed himself through creation, and he should be worshiped just by our basis of understanding his revelation through creation, but people reject him as a creator, and they're given over to a depraved mind, a depraved heart, and they go nuts, and they're under his wrath, because he holds them accountable to look at creation and know that there's order behind it, and he's the God of order, not intelligent design, way more intelligent design, God of the universe who sent his son to die on the cross. Intelligent design could be anything. It's like, a, it's like a higher power thing. I got intelligent design. Intelligent design is everything was made by Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, and held together in Jesus Christ. That's my ID, okay? And if you want to present intelligent design, which is a buzzword in you know, trying to build bridges with people who aren't interested in believing, as a whole, most of them, listen, man, Jesus Christ didn't die so we could preach intelligent design. Jesus Christ died on the cross so we could preach the blood of the Lamb, which is the only thing that can save us from our sins. But look at here, verse 28. We're made in his image to worship him and know him. Verse 28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, have dominion. And then he said, I've given you all this in verse 29. And it was very good. See, in all that God did in creation, he's a blessing God. God wants to bless us. He sent his son to bless us. God's a blessing God. Some people understand that God's a blessing God more than other people. Some people get a kind of a twisted concept of God, like God just got, can't wait to just level you with the, the heavenly hammer. He leveled his son on the cross with the heavenly hammer. He's a blessing God. God is a blessing God. It says here in the dawn of creation concerning the first human being and his wife, God blessed them. 
Now, David had a heart for God, we're told. And, God, and David said this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Trust in the Lord. God is good. When I consider the heavens, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you consider him? God is good. And everything God wants to do in our life is good. And, and everything is good. His mercies are good. His judgments are good. His grace is good. Everything about God is good. There is nothing bad about God. Not 99.9%. It, with 0.01% or 0.001% is bad with God. God is light and him is no darkness at all. And everything about God is good. And he created us to bless us. And this chapter one is blessings. This is man and woman together with God in a vegetarian world where no one's eating each other and everyone's happy. And even the flies are singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. It's, it's, this is how it began. And what we walk out and see outside these doors is, is temporal. It won't end this way. It'll be restored better than all this. I don't worry about, I get upset when I think about things that are extinct on the planet. Because again, I love animals and I love life. So when my wild animal partner says, this is the last white rhino, I'm like, oh God, you know, like, you know, like, but what do men do? They hunt and they conquer and they kill. You know, they did it with the dinosaurs, the dragons, and they just, you know, so many things getting extinct, but I don't worry about it because God who made all those things, he'll just make them again. He'll just make them again. You might give him new colors too. Look, a rainbow tiger. He's not limited. He's the same yesterday and forever. And he's a blessing God. And everything he wants to do from the dawn of creation is to bless humanity, to receive his love, to return his love, and to know his love. And he sent his son to die on the cross so that all humanity under the great commission of the church could know how much of a blessing God he is. Because like Paul said in Romans, scarcely will a good man die for someone else, let alone for a wicked man. But God showed his love for us and that while we're yet sinners and enemies of God, Christ came and died on the cross for us. He's a blessing God. When he makes covenants, he blesses. So this covenant, the Adamic covenant, he's a blessing God. When Noah came off the ark, what does it say? He blessed Noah. He's a blessing God. When God called Abraham to go to Ur Chaldeans, what did he say? I'm going to bless you. Now I'm going to bless you. In your seed, I'm going to bless the entire planet. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. He's a blessing God. When he brought them to Mount Sinai, he pronounced blessings upon them. You're my own special people, a treasure to my heart. He pronounced blessings on them. And when Jesus instituted the Lord's communion on that last night before he went to the cross, he pronounced blessings on them. Take, eat break. This is my body given for you. He pronounced the blessings. When Paul preached throughout the book of Acts, along with Peter, they preached to people who didn't even know the background of the Lord with all their pagan and false beliefs. And he said, God blessed you. He gave you rain. He gave you food. He gave you good stuff. He's a blessing God. But now he's given you a son so you can be fully blessed and know the fullness of all the blessings. He, the rains on the just and the unjust. He's a blessing God. In him we live and move and have our being, Paul declared to the Athenians. He's a blessing God. It's an irony that God blesses people with the breath that they can curse him and deny him and blaspheme against him. But he's a blessing God. He's going to bless us, and he has blessed us. He blesses us in the infirmities. He blesses us in the trials, and the tribulations, the tragedies. Through faith in Jesus Christ, he brings all the blessings upon us. Because in Jesus Christ, all things work together for good. And so he's a blessing God. And we receive the blessings. We say yes and amen to the blessings. From chapter 1 of Genesis, it declares, God speaks from the throne room. I'm a blessing God. And God said through Moses and others, choose blessings or curses. You can, you choose, you self-determine if you want to be under all those blessings for your life, for your marriage, 
for your college experience, for your career, for your adult children, for your grandchildren. We choose if we want to be under the blessings because we choose the blessings by choosing Jesus Christ and submitting him daily and his call in our life. As we die to ourselves daily, we receive the blessings of the life we have in Christ. He's a blessing God. Jesus, the universe was created to bless man and Jesus came to redeem it. And he's a blessing God. So tonight as we begin this journey in Genesis, I want to say to you, receive the blessings. Believe the blessings because God is good. And don't get skewed concepts concerning God. God is good and him is light and there is no darkness at all. So receive the blessings. Receive the blessings for your, for your life, for your health, for your perseverance through failing health, through perseverance through facing down the grave. Receive the blessings for all the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes and amen. And there's no shadow of turning from the Father of lights. He blessed this universe when he created it. And in spite of our head of the race, Adam bringing curses, when we trust in Jesus Christ and we believe his promises, we wake up to those blessings and we can believe those blessings on our life. We can pronounce those blessings on our life and we can frame everything that happens in our life, good, bad, and ugly, through the blessings of the filter of the living God who gave his son for us. And can I get a witness? Amen. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.